0: Chapter 27 of Wanted a Pedigree, this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Wanted a Pedigree by Martha Finlay, Chapter 27. The Story Aunt not us Told. I am distantly related to Dr. Montiette, as I believe I have already told you, she said. His grandfather and mine were first cousins, but I am much older than he, as is quite evident from our appearance, she added with a smile. He is not much over 40, while I am nearly 65, so out of respect for my superior age he always calls me aunt, though we are really cousins. His parents and I were very intimate and strongly attached to each other, and when, at 32, I was left a widow and childless, they urged me to come and make their house my home, which I did. They were living here, and Wald has been my home, or one of my homes, ever since. Clarence, that is Dr. Montiette, was an only son and inherited the place from his father besides the doctor's parents i had one other very intimate and dear friend a lady who was twice married she had one child by her first husband nina hamilton a perfect marvel of beauty and as good and sweet as she was lovely she was beloved by all who knew her and was the idol of her stepfather so much so that i have sometimes suspected that he married the mother as much or more for the child's sake than for her own though she was herself a very lovely and lovable woman, and they lived very happily together. He outlived his wife, and at his death it was found that he had bequeathed to Nina the bulk of his property, which was very large, a million or more of money, besides a beautiful country seat on the banks of the Hudson, and a handsome residence in New York City. So beautiful, so rich, and so beloved. How happy she must have been, murmured the listener. Wealth and beauty are not to be despised, yet they do not always bring happiness, my dear, nor does earthly love, said the old lady, and though our sweet Nina was, I believe, as happy as mortals ever are in this world of sin and sorrow, I am very certain that her chief treasure was not in these. She had been the wife of Clarence Montieth for nearly two years, when her stepfather, Mr. Delacourt, died, and they were most tenderly attached to each other they had a beautiful babe too a son the image of his father and esteemed by both parents a greater treasure than all their wealth mr delacorte had a half-sister who was a bigoted romanist and the mother of two or three drinking gambling spendthrift sons and a daughter who had married a man of the same sort and was perhaps little or no better herself they had property but were wasting it very fast and i several times heard mr delacorte express his determination that they should not have the opportunity to do the same with his he left his sister an annuity sufficiently large to support her comfortably even should she be left dependent upon it alone but that was all her children were not mentioned in the will some few thousands were bequeathed to various religious and charitable institutions while the bulk of the property was as i have said given to nina and her children forever mrs craven his sister was very angry as you may suppose and even talked of contesting the will but was discouraged from doing so by her lawyer who told her that she would certainly lose the suit so she gave it up and made friends with nina who however had never been other than friendly toward her she was a very plausible oily-tongued woman a great talker and very demonstrative in her manner especially towards nina and her husband and child lavishing caresses upon the mother and babe and sweet words upon them all in a way that was very disgusting to me and to clarence also i could see though he said nothing as far as i know i used to scold myself roundly for doubting her sincerity but really i could not help it and i was very loath to have her with my dear children as i used to call clarence and nina unless i could be there too to watch over them Why? you could hardly think she would murder them exclaimed her listener inquiringly i really could not have told what i feared replied aunt Lettice. but i felt that she was not to be trusted old mr monteith died shortly after his son's marriage his wife years before and so as Mr. Delacourt could not bear to be without his daughter for a day, and was also much attached to his estate, they passed most of the year there while he lived. Afterward, they divided their time between the two places, and as they always seemed to want me with them, I seldom let them go to Avonmore without me, and Mrs. Craven was nearly as sure to be there as I nina had never been well from the time of her baby's birth and her father's sickness and death wore on her very much her grief for his loss was deep and lasting for she fully returned his affection and at length she became so completely prostrated that her physicians ordered her off to europe her husband went with her of course and she was very anxious to take her little boy then nearly a year old but neither the doctor nor clarence would consent so he was left behind in mrs craven's care and mine nina would not share my doubts of her professed ardent love for the child but still she felt that he would be safer with more than one guardian at least unless that one was myself so she said and not liking to hurt her aunt as she called mrs Craven by refusing her urgent request to be permitted to take charge of little clarence she begged me to stay behind and share the responsibility i shall be easy about my darling if i know you are with him aunt lettuce she said but i cannot feel quite safe in trusting him to any one else so i stayed though it was like losing a piece of my heart to see her sail away without me and she so ill too but she had her husband to take care of her and she was hardly dearer to me than little clarence with his pretty baby ways and his face so like his father's all went well for a time letters came regularly each one telling of nina's improving health and expressing the hope that they would soon be able to return while i could write as favourably of the little boy who was thriving nicely mrs craven had quite taken up her abode at avonmore but did not interfere with me at all in my management of house servants or child except that she would now and then give the little fellow things that were not good for him merely because he reached for or cried to have them i remonstrated but she always excused herself on the plea that she was too fond of the child to refuse him anything they had sailed early in february and about the middle of july we received letters from them saying nina was quite restored and if nothing happened to prevent they would be at home again by the first of october we were all in raptures mrs craven making greater demonstrations of delight than any one else but the very next day brought a letter from the husband of my only sister telling me that she was lying at the point of death and was constantly crying out for me i was greatly distressed i could not refuse to go to my dying sister and yet i knew not how to leave my little charge and it was quite impossible to take him with me but there was his nurse a woman who thoroughly understood her business and had been about him ever since his birth to say nothing of mrs craven who had brought up a family of her own and who professed the strongest affection for both the child and his mother i was afraid of her overindulgence but the nurse promised me faithfully that the child should never be out of her sight for a moment should be allowed to eat nothing improper and should be carefully guarded from exposure to the damp or to extremes of heat or cold etc etc and that if he should show the slightest symptom of illness she would send immediately for the family physician in whose skill we all placed great confidence it did not occur to my recollection until afterward that this nurse was one of mrs craven's own choosing having been selected by nina on her recommendation and it was not very strange that i forgot it for they always seemed to rather dislike and avoid each other the nurse making frequent complaints to me of mrs craven's unwise indulgence of the child and the lady in her turn complaining that the nurse was impertinent and cross-grained and hinting that i would be wise in sending her off and procuring a better and so you went said nina inquiringly i don't see how you could help it you could not let your own sister die without you no i felt that i could not and so i went replied the old lady heaving a deep sigh she was silent for a moment an expression of deep sadness resting upon her countenance then went on i found my sister extremely ill no one thought she could live twenty-four hours and yet it was nearly three weeks before she breathed her last and in all that time i had had but one letter from home written four days after i left and reporting little clarence in fine health and spirits and everything going on smoothly mrs craven had promised to write daily and her unaccountable silence filled me with alarm i hurried back to avonmore the moment the funeral was over and travelling all night arrived there at seven in the morning a bright beautiful summer morning but darker and more dreary to me than the stormiest winter night when I reached my destination and learned what that mysterious silence meant. Mrs. Craven met me at the door, habited in the deepest mourning and weeping bitterly. I felt at once it could not be from sympathy with me in my loss, and almost fainting with dread, I asked what was the matter. Aunt Lettuce, she sobbed, how can I tell the dreadful tidings? our precious darling is no more he lies yonder in the valley by the side of my beloved brother i was stunned paralyzed by the suddenness of the terrible blow continued the old lady weeping at the remembrance and what followed for the next few hours is a blank to me it was some time before i could hear and comprehend the whole of the sad story i heard it from mrs craven's own lips the nurse was gone before my arrival had been so completely overcome by grief mrs craven said that she could not be prevailed upon to stay a day after the darling was laid in his grave and whither she had gone no one knew yes she had caused his death by some carelessness or neglect i dare say exclaimed nina indignantly mrs craven did not blame her replied mrs barron she said she could see no reason to blame anyone, but the child was suddenly taken ill. The family physician was sent for at once, but absent from home, and another being called in his place, recommended the seashore, and they set off immediately for Long Branch. The little fellow seemed to rally there for a time, then grew rapidly worse, was seized with convulsions, and died. One change following another in such quick succession that they had hardly time to think of writing either to me, or the parents till all was over then as they knew i could not leave my sister they thought it best to let me remain in ignorance of the sad event until my return they brought the little corpse home and buried it the next day and the weather being very warm the coffin was not open for the servants to take a last look as some of them wished very much to do and the poor father and mother how did they bear it asked nina wiping away a tear i was spared the sad task of telling them of their loss said mrs baron mrs craven having written immediately they grieved very much but time had dulled the edge of their sorrow somewhat ere they returned though at first it seemed to be renewed by the sight of the places associated with the memory of their darling the silent nursery and the empty crib and i shall never forget seeing nina weeping over and kissing the little clothes and toys i had laid carefully away hoping to prevent her grief from being recalled by the sight of them. She made no parade of her sorrow and was very cheerful in her husband's presence and perfectly submissive to the hand that had dealt the blow. Yet it was evident but to any close observer that the loss of her first-born son was a very heavy trial to her loving heart. But her health was much improved. Many other blessings were still left her, and at length she seemed quite herself again almost as gay and happy as before the loss of her father i have never seen a more tenderly attached couple than she and clarence were he was not in any business at that time had not studied medicine though he sometimes talked of doing so and they were seldom apart for an hour but now i come to the saddest part of my long story said the old lady pausing to wipe away a tear little clarence had been nearly a year in his grave and we hoped soon to see his pretty crib tenanted again by one who would be as dear and beautiful as himself oh how my clarence watched over his wife with such tender anxiety such loving care he would not have suffered the winds of heaven to blow too roughly upon her if it had been in his power to prevent them and she clung to him with a sweet confiding affection that was beautiful to see we were all anxious about her though she seemed to feel well and always said she was so mrs craven recommended a nurse and as the time drew near she came herself and took up her abode with us saying she was far too anxious to stay away and though it was rather inconvenient to be absent from her own house just at that time she felt that she must be with her darling niece and doing all she could for her comfort i could see that both nina and clarence would have been better satisfied if she had remained in her own home and left them to the sole enjoyment of each other's society but they were much too kind and polite to hint any such thing so she stayed it still wanted a week or more of the time when nina looked for her trial when clarence was suddenly summoned to the city on some very urgent and important business he was very loth to go though he would be absent but one night but nina insisted laughing at his fears and promising to take excellent care of herself and at last he went i saw them part it seemed as if he could not tear himself away he held her in his arms and clasped her to his breast kissing her over and over till at length she pushed him playfully away saying with a sweet merry laugh there that will do dear why one would think we were parting for life oh no dearest don't say that even in jest he answered in a half tremulous tone and with another caress he let her go sprang into the carriage and drove away mrs baron paused for an instant overcome by her feelings then looking at her listener said dear child you are her very image no wonder then that he loves to look at you for after that parting he saw her but once more in life and that only for a moment and after the power of speech was gone he had not been gone an hour when she was laid upon what proved to be her deathbed. oh how was it what caused it asked her namesake deeply moved we were sitting together in her boudoir said the old lady she and i both busied with some pretty work for the expected stranger when mrs craven came in bringing a couple of tumblers of iced lemonade with a little silver waiter one she handed to nina the other to me i drained mine to the bottom and nina also drank freely for the weather was very warm and the cold drink was refreshing though i remember noticing that mine had a peculiar taste slight but quite perceptible however i drank it without any remark and handed the tumbler back nina doing the same and mrs craven was carrying away the salver declining nina's invitation to stay and let a servant be called to remove it when a boy came running up the hill and across the lawn shouting out something at the top of his voice nina started to her feet pale and trembling what is it what is it she asked does he say some one has been thrown from a carriage then mrs craven came rushing back crying out he's killed clarence i sprang forward and put my hand over her mouth but it was too late nina had heard and fallen down in strong convulsions a scene of dreadful confusion followed of which i have no distinct recollection for hardly had we got nina on the bed when i was overpowered by such a deadly sickness that i had to be carried from the room and knew nothing more until next day when i learned that nina had given birth to a little girl who lived only a few minutes that the report of the accident had proved a false alarm that clarence had been telegraphed for and had returned just in time for his wife to breathe her last in his arms that woman killed her the wicked wicked wretch i know she did cried nina starting up in the bed greatly excited oh child i must stop i fear i am doing you a mischief exclaimed aunt lettuce your eyes are sparkling and your cheeks are glowing till you look the picture of what she was in health as you have been of what sickness and sorrow made her do i oh i'm so glad but don't stop please don't you must be nearly done yes i am there is but little more to tell clarence's grief and despair were terrible to behold for his beautiful wife was his idol and the little babe would have been an estimable treasure had it lived and to lose both at one blow seemed almost more than he could endure so that for a time i feared for his reason and even for his life yet both were mercifully spared and he came out of the ordeal a better and more useful though a graver and sadder man he did not shut himself up and nurse his grief in solitude as i feared he would but has ever since the first shock was over devoted all his energies on doing good to the souls and bodies of his fellow-creatures we left avonmore within a few weeks after the funeral it with all the rest of mr Delacourt's property passing into mrs craven's hands for of course the law recognized her as the nearest living heir now that both nina and her children were dead we came directly to wald and clarence at once devoted himself to the study of medicine working at it almost day and night soon graduated with honour and has ever since been a busy practitioner especially among the poor whom he attends gratis he is wealthy and does not care for making money he is much sought after by the rich too for he is very successful and he charges them devoting what he makes in that way to the relief of his needy patients he has never ceased to mourn his heavy loss but it was made the means of his conversion and as a christian he is resigned patient cheerful and even happy in spite of his great sorrow End of chapter 27.